Good morning and welcome to Culture Cult. This is episode number eight. Can you believe two months in? You're with Maria and Bex. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Rebecca. And we're joined with a very special guest, Mr. Robbie Rashid. Thank you for coming into the studio today. Hello, thanks for having me. Welcome to the cult, as we say to all our friends and guests of the program. Robbie is a young musician, among many other talents, uh, from Melbourne, and he is a culturally diverse young person like ourselves. So we're happy to have his insight and perspective on the program today. Let's take you through what we're going to be doing. We have a big and beautiful day planned ahead. We'll be having a chat with Robbie about his upcoming new song and collaboration with Ahab, um, local artist also. We're also taking a trip down memory lane and discussing the origins of a popular song um, you may have heard in pop culture. You definitely would have heard it. It's been in movies. Many aspects of pop culture have this very familiar riff. Mm -hmm. It's manifested itself over hundreds of years and still is present today. So we'll give you some little clues on that one along the way too. We'll also be hearing from Mr. Nazar Ashka, the principal of the Al-Kamal Arabic School. Last week we heard from two star pupils, Rochelle and Giselle, who talked about are linking their cultural heritage and learning the language of Arabic and preserving tradition through learning the dance there as well. So we wanted to get um, his insight as a teacher and the principal of the school. Right now, we're going to get into I'm Good by Wafia. Even if you haven't gone through a breakup recently or anything like that, it's just a boss anthem. Uh, She'll be playing at Listen Out Festival in St Kilda later on in September this year. You're on the Coach Cult on Sin. This is the Coach Cult on Sin and that was Wafia with I'm Good. Very catchy pop track to wake you up this morning. Robbie, our special guest in studio, had an encounter with Wafia at his university. Yeah, so I actually studied at Monash um, and Monash have like, you know, these Wednesday sessions where they get artists to, um, to come by and, like, you know, perform. Um, and she performed. That was actually the first time I heard it. Like, I didn't actually know much about her. And um, I remember, like, she closed, she finished singing, and I was like, I have to meet this girl because she looks so, like, she looks familiar in a way in terms of, like, I know she's now Ar- she's Arab and stuff mm. like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got to meet her. So she comes off stage, and I'm like, you know what, best time, you know, I'm an artist, let's... You know, you're psyching yourself up. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, so I go by and I'm like, "Hi, how you doing?" We talk, and it turned out like she she knew Arabic as well. Like we had a five minute conversation, just yes. me and her, just talking about like our families, where we're from, um, and she gave me good advice. Like she was a really nice girl, and we got a picture. That's beautiful. And I was actually on Monash Stalker Space, so oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that infamous Facebook yeah, page. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, we. I was a fan of this. I was a fan of Wafia and a fan of this song, but I didn't know that she had an Arab heritage as well. Me Syrian, Iraqi. Born, I believe, in the Netherlands, but raised in Australia. Oh, whoa. How wild's that? Wow. Yeah, yeah. International. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and apparently she was studying medicine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she was and gave it up. She was like, I think before her number one hit, she was actually like, should I be doing this? You know what I mean? And it's good that she's stuck with it. A woman of many talents for sure. That was Wafia with I'm Good. And as we mentioned before, she's playing the Listen Out Festival this year in the Katani Gardens in St Kilda. If Ooh. you're in Melbourne, check her out. Okay, so... We do have Robbie in the studio. 
and we wanted to speak uh, a little bit about about you while you're here. Yeah. Like we said, you are a student, you're a musician, and you've got many talents, and we wanted you to give us a bit of a teaser of this track you've been working on with producer Ihab Halal. Sure. So, um, yeah, I've been writing ever since. I mean, I wrote my first song when I was 10 years old. Um, I don't know if you guys remember those K-Zone magazines. Of course. Yeah, so they came with, like, a prize, and one of them was, like, a um, like a little diary. And it was like it looked like a small box, and I would just write my songs, you know, ever since that time. And my first one was called It's Me. You know, I still have the so lyrics. Deep. It's so, oh, my gosh. Like, what could you be thinking about at that age? Can you give us a bit, a bit of a... Tell us a few of the lines. Oh, I remember it was, it was, it's me, yeah, me. <laughs> Don't you know, or can't you see, it's me. And it just continues. But, um, <laughs> I think, you, you know, you might want to contact Demi Lovato and Joe Jonas. I know. Like, this is real, this is me. I'm pretty sure they got it off me, okay, because I had that song first. Um, anyway, so then just after that, I've been just writing on the side. And it wasn't until recently this year. That um, I decided to actually, you know, put my stuff out. And so I contacted, you know, Ehab. He's one of my close friends. We've been known each other for years. And, um, yeah, we collaborate on this song together. It's called Ride. So um, it's about just, you know, your relationship with someone you're in and how it's like a journey. And you're just taking them through the journey. They, Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, what, mm. they've, what you've been through together. Um, and so, yeah, we've been working on it for a bit. It's literally almost done and it'll be released later this month so it's pretty exciting hopefully we can play it on culture yes for sure for sure that's great to share that collaborative experience with a friend and did having that um community online community or cultural community around you make you feel confident to share your stuff definitely i feel like they've everyone's um in, in the culture, they're very supportive. You know, they want you to do well. The minute you tell them, like, oh, I'm releasing something, they're sharing it. They're telling everybody about it. I mean, my mom's, you know, she hasn't even heard the song yet. And the, whole, the whole community, you know, she's like, I'm going to love it. I'm like, wait. I remember very sweet um, when you did a cover of Love on the Brain by Rihanna. Yes. That's a really good video. You should check out Robbie's YouTube channel. Yeah. Where it's featured. Your mum had a handwritten sign. Oh my, oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes. Please listen to my son. Oh, yeah. So she, we ha- we own a cafe back in the peninsula. And my mum, you know, once she's heard the song, she distributed it everywhere. And she, she wrote this song, she wrote this sign in the shop, like, please listen to um, Love on the Brain by Robbie Rashid. And funny enough, it actually worked because I had another lady from like a radio station come by and she said, I saw this sign. And I looked you up and I want you to give me your music and let's distribute and give it out. Wow. So it's crazy how something so like, you, I, I, when, I, when I thought about it, I was like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But Stop, it turned Mom. out, you know, it's yeah, it worked marketing. out. So yeah. That's brilliant. It's amazing, right? Good on you. Well, we look forward to hearing your track um, when it is released. Was it called Ride? Yes, yes. So um, it'll be released soon. I'll keep everybody posted and yeah, link up, so. One of your picks, uh, we always let our guests submit tracks, Sawa by Maya Diab and Rami Ayash. Do you want to tell our listeners why you picked this track? Oh, wow. So I picked this track because it takes me back to when I was in Lebanon. It's been around like seven years since I've gone, but this track was something that was just a great time with my cousins. You know, we were dancing, we were having fun, 
and um, it makes me want to go back again. So you might recognise Maya's vocals. We played her version of Habibi Anul Ain uh, on show number two, I believe, for our regular oh, yeah. listeners. So yeah, she's quite a well-established artist yeah, in the she region. Is. Yeah, yeah. So let's give it a listen now. You're on the Coach Cult on Sin with Maria Bex and special guest Robbie. Pump it louder, the Black Eyed Peas. This is the Coach Cult on Sin. Now, why on earth would we be playing the Black Eyed Peas when we're a show all about European and Middle Eastern culture? Maria, enlighten us. Prepare yourselves. That backing tune you hear in Pump It, um, the whole music, is actually a centenarian old musical score that dates back to... We don't even know where exactly, but there is an old Greek song from 1927, the wow. first recorded version. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, it's called Misidolo, and there's been variations in all around, like Eastern Europe, the Middle East. Um, that was pre like autumn, post uh, Ottoman Empire, but the song Not the Black Eyed Peas version. That's, yeah. That's very early 2000s. <laughs> And it's just amazing um, how the song, it's travelled, but it's travelled before we even had commercial travel. <laughs> like, That's amazing. so many versions. Um, you may also recognise it from the uh, infamous the Quentin Tarantino film, Pulp Fiction. It was the musical score uh, back in the 90s. But the version we hear in Pulp Fiction is... The, it's more surf rock and jazzed up yeah. from the old version, and it's by Dick Dale. Yeah, and film buffs, anyone who's done cinema studies at uni or just is a film nerd, you would recognise that famous opening scene where they're holding up the diner. Um, couldn't really play you a clip of that on air because it's it's got very frivolous yeah, yeah. Um, language for this time slot anyway. Um, but they're holding up the diner and then bang, opening credits. And I think it comes from a time in cinema when more effort was given to that opening scene. Like it was really mm-hmm. crafted out and tried to set the mood uh, for the rest of the film. Did you want me to play the little mashup of ways it's been played across yeah. centuries? That'll be so cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's travel through time with Monsieur Lou. You're listening to the Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria and our special guest Robbie. Uh, we were just playing a mashup of the song Misirlu, uh, which you might also know as Pump It by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, in that mashup, we had the 1927 version. It's the first recorded version of the song um, by Titos Dimitriadis. We also had the Dick Dale version, which plays in Pulp Fiction. And we also had the Black Eyed Peas um, interpretation of the song in their. 2000, their their Monkey Business album song, Pump It. Wow. The lyrics are quite romantic in the Dictale version, so it's basically a very, it's a love song. And I guess the cultural roots that relate to our show's themes are that we believe the song has somewhat of Greek origins and the 
protagonist or the love interest of the song is an Egyptian woman. So when we break down Mr. Lu, Masr, Masr in Arabic, Egypt. Mm. So Masri is like an Egyptian man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's got that connection too. So we really dug deep, did a bit of a Google deep dive on this one and trying to pull apart those connections. And it's just so interesting. Last episode was all about folklore and how these ancient traditions are still present in modern culture, now present times. And just in pop culture, this very popular track actually goes back hundreds of years. It's amazing to see, you know, the history of a song. Um, you might hear it now and think about it, oh, wow, it sounds great. But looking at it, you know, 1920, it sounds so different. But it's amazing how they've twisted it and played with it. Yeah. And there's so many different things you can do with uh, a I vocal th- like that. I think there's a quote I buy an artist or writer how there is nothing, maybe it was Oscar Wilde, nothing is really original. Everything's just been remixed. Mm. And even with this song, like usually you know when something's remixed or there's popular tunes we hear in pop. Um, it's just crazy that it's a hundred years. And spread through migration, essentially. Yeah. The yeah. diaspora coming to America, like you mentioned. This is how culture travels. We're sharing music, sharing art. Like coming from Greece in 1920 to what, like the US in 2000, like yeah. it's... It's crazy. A timely reminder to keep culture alive. Of course, of course. Playing the tunes and singing your tunes. Yeah. We would have got this tune because it it was recorded in 1927, but not all songs were recorded then. So we don't know how old it really is. It could have been sung Mm. and shared. Um, People, like, I think even in, like, Maybe not Iraq. I don't. I don't know exactly where, but yeah. I know like in the Middle East and then other parts of Europe. They they've been singing it for a long time. People have their variations. We wonder though now if like say in fifty years time, will we have that type of thing happening with today's music? You know, will we, Justin Bieber be like exactly? Will people be remixing Justin Bieber or you know? It's because I don't think people in nineteen twenty would have thought that. You know, their music would come to this today. So That's so true. It's something to think about. I just wanted to shout out Culture Cult um, listener Sebastian. Uh, he's working hard, but it's great to see that you're listening to this podcast today. Yeah, thanks to all our listeners and friends of the Culture Cult. If you want to slide into our DMs, you're very welcome to. Instagram, culturecult underscore sin, S-Y-N, or hit us up on Facebook at culturecultsin. We're going to hear from Mr. Nazar Ashka, principal of the Al-Kamal Arabic School now. Last weekend, he was very generous with his time. I went down to the Arabic school and we spoke about some of these things we discussed now, about the importance of learning language and its cultural connections. You're on the Culture Cult on Sin. You're listening to the Culture Cult on Sin with Beck and Maria. My name is Nizar Ashkar. I'm the principal of Al-Kamal Arabic School. And Arabic School is located in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne and has been running since 1982. How long have you been involved with the school? Uh, very much upon my arrival in Australia in 1987 until today, but I've been the principal for the last uh, 12 years. Well, so you would have seen, have you seen a lot of changes in that time to the school? 
Yeah, obviously, we always strive to get better. We try to improve every year upon the year before. Every year presents new challenges to us. Uh, there are consistent challenges, which is uh, keep the uh, the community interested, uh, keep, uh, keep getting volunteers to, to uh, exert effort and uh, volunteer their time, and uh, keep uh, parents and students involved and uh, excited about learning Arabic and Arabic culture. Why do you think it's important for young people especially to learn Arabic if they do have um, a background from that culture? Um, there are a lot of reasons that uh, we can give the students and, and parents about learning Arabic and language and Arabic culture. Um, number one is that um, because of their Arabic roots or the roots in the or, or mem- family members and and relatives in, in back in in the Arab world um, any sort of communication or visits there it's it's easy you need the language you need to understand to be aware of the culture so it doesn't come to you as a cultural shock so um, learning Arabic uh, language in the first place it helps you get by um, even here within the community we have a lot of uh, families who speak Arabic at home, a lot of people from the first generation who they still, pre- still prefer to, to, to communicate in Arabic. It makes it easier for our younger generations to learn how to communicate with them. More importantly, we do have VCE classes and we have students who every year who sit the VCE exams taking Arabic language as uh, an elective so that can boost their mark and make it easier they can accelerate that through the day schools uh, we are the the assessing school we give them 50 percent of the mark and the sit the official exam they get the 50 percent of the mark from the actual exam um, it, they, they're at a great advantage if if arabic uh, they, is a language they're good at and they they learn and they work on it and plus, once you, they go to uni, they can always add Arabic as and continue their studies as another like elective. Uh, some students, some of our students have gone on actually to have like double degrees, including Middle Eastern studies or Arabic language. B- besides whatever they're doing, uh, whatever field that they're majoring in. And that gives them a bit of a niche and advantage in the work market, workforce, because they have added that string to their bow. And sometimes they get opportunities to work internationally or in the Middle East or in the Arab world or uh, a company in Australia that works on international level and uh, their language can come in very handy. We've seen it with with few of our students who uh, have actually had that advantage over others and uh, that worked very well for them. Great. And so obviously a huge part of coming to Arabic school is to learn the language um, itself, but there's also the dancing aspect to it as well. We heard from two students, Rochelle and Giselle, who have been involved with the school since a very young age. Um, they're both uh, young young ladies now. So why is it important to include uh, the cultural aspects into the learning, not just the language? Okay, we need to remember that we are learning the language, the Arabic language, not about the language. So we are learning it in different contexts. Um, we can't just learn the language in, in, in the void. It has to come within a particular context. 
And whether it's in text or whether it's in, in practice, some of the contexts are actually social life, culture in general. So by teaching the students about our folklore, about uh, Arabic traditions, about uh, songs, about performances, about uh, dances, all that, even sports. When we uh, incorporate the Arabic language within the terminology and all that uh, of different sports, that on one level, it gives the students a different uh, context to apply the language and learn it in a different environment. Two, it gives them that break from study in the classroom where they can feel free to express themselves more. They can draw, they can dance, they can sing, they can um, perform. All that using the Arabic language, but at the same time learning and understanding the culture behind it. Yeah, so getting a bit more of a broader understanding of the language and the culture together. Exactly. Language and culture go together, go hand in hand, and that helps the, stu- that help the students actually to understand and put the language into its proper context. You don't look around all the time and find a place where that language that they're learning in, class- in the classroom can be applied. Very, very few uh, sort of uh, opportunities for them to apply. So we sort of we can't take them all to the Arab world to proper uh, Arab setting, so we try to create it here, and the students become active in that instead of just passive observers. They act, they are active. They're actually creating the scene themselves, and they are being part of it and interacting with one another within that sort of uh, cultural context. The Arabic school here is very much a community, like lots of volunteers, the teachers, to make it all happen and run. Yeah, did you want to talk about the community itself and um, how you feel being a part of it? This is a great opportunity for anyone out there to feel like they're giving back something to their community. Uh, the community is, is excellent, it's great, it just needs uh, people to keep working at, at keeping that culture alive, keeping that language alive. And we actually encourage every person out there who can volunteer, anyone who can, you know, uh, volunteer some time or a bit of effort to contact us. Uh, they can follow us on Facebook, uh, Al-Kamal Arabic School, or on uh, any any sort of, uh, like if you Google us, you'll find always my phone number or anywhere where to find us. We are in Endeavor Hills at the moment. Uh, we've been here for a few years, but uh, wherever we go, we carry that uh, task, that uh, sort of uh, cause with us. And we encourage parents to have their kids uh, enrolled and uh, learn about Arabic uh, language and culture and we encourage uh, people who can give, can volunteer to come forward. Was there anything else you wanted to um, add or say about the school or anything else? Uh, I'd like you to thank you, Beck, for your time, for your effort. Uh, that's great. If we keep that communication going with our community, um, in on any in any me- in sort of medium or uh, any sort of communication channel, that's great for us and for you and for the community. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. Very much appreciated. You can keep up with us on Instagram, culturecult underscore sin. If you'd like to say ciao, yasu, marhaba, salu, you can send us an email at culturecallradio at gmail.com. 
or follow us on Facebook at Culture Cult Radio. That was Mashalila with Calvary. We have played them before on the show and featured them heavily. The reason I chose this song this week is it's the first time they've released, or rather re-released, a song translated from Arabic into English. The video is quite moving. It details a lot of military occupation and how people are resettled or rather forcibly removed in that part of the region for many different reasons, sadly. So it's quite a political song and a kind of standing up and empowering song as well. So they're a Lebanese-based band, Meshulila, and that song was Calvary. Um, if you're interested in that kind of side of things, strongly recommend looking them up and finding out a bit more of, about their story because it is really interesting. Before that, we heard from Mr. Nazar Ashka, kindly sat down with me last week at the Alcamal Arabic School in Endeavour Hills in Melbourne. And we talked about many things, language, culture, and all the rest of it. Robbie, our special guest many years ago, was a pupil at the school previously. Yeah. How was your experience? So I actually attended it, I think, for around 12 years, I'd say. Um, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, we... I learned a lot. My parents were dance teachers there, so I was kind of forced to go. But um, it was actually really good. It, it helped me um, embed in my culture more. I understood a lot more about it, and I made more friends within my community as well, which was really great because till now, like, I still speak to them. Um, people like, you know, our cousins and things like that, mm. you know, I, I built that relationship. Lifelong friends you know, Yeah, through this school because that's when you get to see them a lot. Um and it was really great. I mean, I didn't get to complete it for VCE, to be honest, because it's really hard to have a language. But, um, I mean, it was fun. It was a good time, good time. Maria, you also went to language school when you were younger? I did. I went to Greek school throughout most of primary school, or all of primary school. I started high school there too, and then I stopped because I was like, I don't want to do Greek at Greek school and at high school, because I was doing it in high school. Oh, both. But it was a huge mistake. Um, and it's actually something I'm passionate about. I didn't think about it until right now. But a lot of language programs in high schools, they're not always that good. Um, no, not really. I agree. I think that, like, in, I really do believe that when you go to actual, like, the Saturday schools, mm. there's more passion behind it. I don't know. It's a lot more. And it's only, it's one day a week, but we had Greek in high school multiple periods a week, but my Greek got so much worse um, there's more passion, yes, and I think you cover a lot more. You cover history and culture mm. and, and as well as grammar, and you do grammar really, I think you focus on grammar. Yeah, I think with me, the, my favourite was like our Dapki classes, so like our dance classes, Lebanese yes. classes. Um, I'd be learning it at home with my parents and then having to teach my friends at, during school, which was a bit funny. But, and the best thing was the canteen. Oh. Yeah, they had an amazing canteen. No, we had the traditional food. Like that's you great. Know, Tell us about the menu. Oof, there was like manaish, which is like a Lebanese pizza. They had zaatar. They had um, you know typical Oreos chips. At one time, I think there was bonjus, which is like the juice oh, boxes. They did just like a prima or. Um, Oh, what's the English version? Like a Ribena, I'd say, but like mm-hmm. a pineapple flavor. For people to understand, like we used to have, in, if you're a Lebanese or you're of any like Middle Eastern descent, this was like 
your sprite. Like this is <laughs> this is what you would love to have every day. And it was like in a triangular box or something, right? It was. I think that was the novelty of it. And it was highly concentrated and probably packed with sugar. Oh, it was the worst for you, but like, you know, who cares? Had a few teeth fall out because of it, nah. <laughs> Do you know what? Fun fact, when I went to Lebanon, they had strawberry flavour. I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life. When I saw it, like I came to my grandma's house and I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to live here forever. I'm never leaving. But I finished the box and I left, you know. Wow, we did not have a canteen at Greek school. It was, I did Monday nights. Monday nights. Thomastown, everything was closed oh. except the other language schools, like on campus. Oh, uh, no, no. Myself, now I just go two hours a week to an adult uh, class. It is fun, but it, you know, Oh, are you studying? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but there's um, no lit canteen. <laughs> oh, no. It's, look, I feel like it's all about the canteen. Like, if you have good food, you can, you're happy. Engage the youth to yes, learn. Yes, of course. We are going to jump in to a song. I'll let our guest pick the last, second last song for the show. What would you like to hear? What would I like to hear? Let's do an Arabic song. I feel like we're in this cultural, mm. you know. If you want to see what we get up to when the songs are playing, jump on our Insta, cult underscore sin. Guaranteed you'll be entertained. We're going to be doing some um, Dabki classes. I'm going yeah. to be teaching Beck. In the studio. And, yeah, and Maria, how to, how to get in the groove in the Lebanese dance. So on that note, which song would you like to hear? We'll do Is Eferis Karam. Yes. Yeah, let's pick him. My parents... Um, grew up dancing. That's how they met. That's they actually so met in the dance team for Lebanon in Korea. Whoa. Um, yeah, they were representing Lebanon there. And um, yeah, it's been, they've been on a journey since. So. Is this their song? This is their Al- song they grooved to, yes, for sure. This yes. is Alta Nora by Faras Karam, one of the most famous Dabki songs. Of course, get into it. Listening to the Culture Code on Sin. The culture cult on sin. Excuse me if I sound out of breath. We've just been dancing around the studio. Robbie, our special guest, has been giving us dubkey dancing lessons. I must say, you guys are good. Maria, wow. That was your first time. First dubkey, but a lifetime of folk dancing. Man. Yeah. You knew what you were doing. I'm very impressed. Oh, thank you. And Beck, you know, good job. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, beautiful sesh, beautiful sesh. <laughs> the song was by Fadis Karam, a very famous artist in the region. And that that brings us to time, guys. What a packed show. I'm going to go <laughs> catch my breath. <laughs> Today we spoke about Miss Ulu, a famous song that's been carried on through the ages. You might also know it as Pump It by the Black Eyed Peas or that same song from Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino, the movie. We're going to go out with Hermetico, Balkan Beat Box, one of Maria's picks. See if you recognise the modern song that took the same tune of this track. Um, Hermeti- uh, Balkan Beat Box are actually an Israeli band, but they take um, Mediterranean influences and they play a lot of songs in that region. A reminder before we get out of here that we do podcast all our episodes, minus the music, onto Omni and wherever else you grab your podcasts. If there's a particular topic that you would like us to cover or if you would like to be interviewed or featured on the show, give us a shout-out, culturecultradio at gmail.com. And Robbie, our special guest, where can our listeners find you? 
Yeah, so thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, you can find me at Instagram on Robbie Rashid, R O B B I E R A C H I D underscore, or on YouTube, um, that's Robbie Rashid there, or just on Facebook as well. One of the other roots in this song, I picked up that the trumpet is sampled in Talk Dirty to Me. Yes. Oh, I love that song, Talk Dirty to Me. That's You'll be able to hear remnants of it in this song. That's the Culture Cult for this Tuesday, 18th of June. We'll be back same time next week. Stay tuned for Schools on Air up next on Sin.